Hey, thank you for joining us. New thought leader, best-selling author, international public speaker, Teal Swan is here. How are you, Teal? I am wonderful. Thanks for having me. This is Meet Me for Coffee, and we could not do this without a cup of coffee or tea on your end. What kind of tea is that? I think it's throat coat tea. Oh, wow. That's, that's a nice mug, too. I got, yeah. I, I got this I got this pretty cool mug today. Santa's little helper. Uh, <laughs> I drink a lot of double espresso right now, so kind of keeps me kind of going. You get three of those a day, and I'm ready to rock and roll. I am Santa's little helper. Uh, I've been eating the cookies the whole time for him and on him, so <laughs> I might be a bit bigger than he is right now, but that's okay. I can still help him out. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, you know, there was this three questions exercise that people that you have that help people get to know each other and themselves. And it's like three deep questions. Uh, you know, what kind of animal, what kind of color you like, but you get, you're like, you got to think about it deeply. Right. Yeah. So I did that. And then I was like, why don't I take this opportunity as my listeners and audience up here in Canada and across the world, um, they would be interested in knowing more about you. Okay. So we'll start this off. Who is Teal Swad and what makes her want to help people? No pressure. Think about this deeply. Okay. So if I was to explain who Teal Swan is, um, I am here on the planet to change the way that people think about all kinds of things, especially those things that are causing suffering on the planet. And that means that I'm going to be answering to all kinds of different issues that we're facing from illnesses to, you know, mental issues to relationship problems, to <laughs> family patterns, you know, whatever it is that's causing somebody pain in their life. I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. Pretty cool. At what point did you realize that that was your calling? You know, it wasn't until I was probably 26 years old because I was born with very strange spiritual abilities. I call them strange because most people who are you know, in the mainstream world, not spiritual field, find this idea of extrasensory abilities a little bit weird. Um, my parents sure did because they were, they were very science-minded people. And they had this like very spiritual child who popped out of them and their whole time with me in childhood was like, what do we do with this kid? But I didn't really embrace those gifts because I got hurt so badly because of them growing up. So even though these abilities have been with me for my whole life, it wasn't until I had a son and I couldn't really teach him to embrace who he really was as a person if I was not doing the same. So even when I went into professional sports, I was the person on the team who couldn't run a, a good race because I was stressing out about what I was seeing in the energy field of the competitor next to me. And at a certain point, you know, after he was born, my son, I was just like, I can't, I can't keep running because it's not going anywhere. So if I'm not able to get rid of these things that I see all the time and the stuff that I know, then potentially it's there for a good reason. And I opened up just a little bit to seeing people one-on-one -on -one. And what I noticed when I was meeting people one-on-one -on -one is that I, I knew stuff that they didn't know, but stuff that was shocking. I mean, 
I could sit there with them and explain exactly what pattern was feeding into a physical ailment that they had. And the looks on their faces was like, what? Self-esteem and my relationship with the person I'm in a partnership with could be re resulting in ulcers? Yes. So for me, it was kind of like one of those things where you take for granted anything that comes naturally to you. And, and it wasn't until I saw that the things that come naturally to me that I was in resistance to could genuinely benefit and change people's lives that I thought, you know, let's, instead of running away from it, let's just dive completely into it and own the fact that this is why we're here. And I found out that it's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> this is pretty cool. I mean, the, the, the art of self reflection sometimes must dawn on you as you're telling someone or explaining it a situation to a, an audience or an individual, because it's, I like the way you respond to things or responding to people's inquiries and questions. They're very, uh, they're very down to earth responses are relatable. Um, and they, I don't feel like they're rehearsed at all. They're, they come from your heart and you, you, you definitely genuinely speak to them. And that's something I can, I can appreciate in a speaker and someone who's trying to help people. Um, but does like, do you have a lot of self-reflection when it comes to like things you talk about, uh, in general, like, what do you mean by self-reflection? Well, I mean, like if you're if you're talking about how, uh, you know, processing trauma or processing, uh, you know, uh, emotional trauma in the body or, or or some way, shape, or form of that. I mean, like if you had that experience, and you're talking from that experience. Um, you would only know from that, right? So, it gets a little complicated. The more aware yeah. and more aware you become, it's like uh, there's different frequencies of consciousness. Now we could consider these frequencies levels of consciousness. So the goal, one of the goals, not the goal, but one of the goals of spiritual development is that you get to a point where you become more and more and more and more and more objective. You can essentially accommodate more perspectives. It makes life more complicated. Things certainly are no longer black and white, but you see more, right? And when you have that objective awareness, it's not necessarily true that everything has to come from personal experience. Okay. However, however, I, I think honestly, if I came down with this uh, more of a, more or less ability to be in the objective consciousness, and that was all I had, not personal experience, I would be not an 85th of as good as I am at my job. Because what you'll notice, you know, when you get into these more objective perspectives is that you're less attached to life on earth. So it's very easy to say something flippant, like, well, you know, life and death is just part of life. It's just a blip. It's like a blink of an eye. Or, or even, you know, there's no such thing as death because consciousness recycles. But the reality is that the experience in the physical is so drastically different that it's very hard to bridge the gap between those higher perspectives and our perspective here in life. And that bridge matters. It, that's why a lot of people can't bridge that gap is because a lot of, you know, spiritual teachers who are coming at you with that more objective perspective. It's so abstract. And quite frankly, it does not speak to the level of pain that many people are in. And how does someone reach this different state of, of consciousness? Well, the first thing is dedicating yourself 100% to awareness. That means awareness of the self. That means diving into the shadow over and over again, the shadow being what you don't know that you don't know. So that which is unconscious within you and the unknown over and over and over and over again. And also the practice of disidentification, your identification with yourself in this life is what limits your perspective to your one singular consciousness 
to your what many people would call a subjective consciousness. So by by using meditative states, you know, by using shadow work processes, by actually paying attention. I mean, honestly, a lot of it you don't even need to know fancy techniques for. You just have to listen. Consider that every single being that you meet in existence has something important to share with you. You will start to expand, 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 expand your awareness. Yeah, uh, just kind of be more open-minded, be more grateful, and have, have some more gratitude towards the people that you're meeting. Um, it opens your mind. But when we talk about meditation, um, <laughs> you know, I, I would assume that's one of the ways to get into the lock into the next, you know, state of consciousness. Yep. When starting meditation, uh, when, as a beginner who's never done this before in general, like what are the steps to get yourself in the realm of meditation? My favorite step to give people who have never done meditation before is to do somatic meditation work. What somatic meditation is, is it's being completely and unconditionally present with your attention, with what is occurring in terms of sensations within the body. The soma is the body, specifically what sensations are occurring, right? Most people are, let's say they tune them out, right? Most people, as you go about your day, the different sensations occurring in your body, which is powerful information from your internal self, they're coming up, but you're kind of like suppressing, disowning, denying those and just bulldozing through them. So most people are pretty desensitized to that internal world. Tuning into the internal world is really your key to everything you want to know about the universe externally. It's almost like the, the way out is in, right? And so somatic meditation, the reason I love to pick this for people is because it helps people to reattune and to become more sensitive. If you do somatic meditation, the instrument that is your, your body in this life and your emotional system becomes more sensitized to what you are perceiving. And, and that resensitization makes all other forms of meditation and practice much easier. Also, so with somatic meditation, you don't have to sit down and force yourself to be doing this for like a half an hour to an hour, which quite frankly, when people start with meditation, they start off way too harsh with themselves because they're comparing themselves next to these Buddhist monks or yogis who have been doing this for 30 plus years. You know, I don't like to start people there. I don't even think it's smart. Good quality meditation is whatever you can, can do with good focus. So if that is two minutes, it's two minutes. If that's five minutes, it's five minutes. If it's 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. It, we're going for quality rather than quantity when it comes to meditation. So I love to tell people when they're first starting out that when they wake up, first thing when they wake up, to just sit up in bed, don't do any get up process, just sit up in bed and turn your attention towards your internal world, paying attention to the sensations that are occurring in your body. Maybe it's tightness, maybe it's tension, maybe it's buzzing, maybe it's this feeling of emptiness, whatever is showing up, you don't try to do anything with it. You're, you're literally witnessing, observing, and experiencing it. And it helps a lot of people to think about doing this almost like they're an extraterrestrial being that just came into a physical human body. It helps people to become more curious about what's going on there. So with the somatic meditation, you don't try to change anything. You're just observing it. And then this can progress to the point where you're asking it questions. It's almost like you're having an internal dialogue um, exploration with, with what is occurring within the body and the being. And this can progress all the way to doing journey work, in fact, with the soma, which is really powerful. It can work. Your own somatic you know, um, sensations in your body can work almost like a plant medicine does. 
where you can surrender to them and they will, it'll be like dreaming. They'll actually take you on this entire journey. So, so how do I know if it's working or not? If I, I'm, I'm just beginning to do the, start the process of meditation in the morning. How do I know if it's working for me? You're going to feel more clear. Clarity is something that most people lack, especially as they're going about this busy information overloaded life <laughs> that's happening right now. So you're going to start to feel a clarity. You're going to start to feel stability, almost like you're rooted into something different. It's also going to feel like you are simultaneously here in life, but also watching yourself being here in life. It's very powerful because it means you're developing the awareness of, of the non-physical self as well as the physical self, because all people are in fact two points of perspective. Uh, you can think of it, I mean, it's probably easiest for people to think about you playing an avatar in a game, right? You are two points of perspective. Um, another thing that you're going to notice is that you are much more attuned to what you are feeling on a daily basis. So whereas you may have been able to bulldoze your anxiety before, you're not able to bulldoze it now. And the reason that that's a really good thing is because you can then respond to it. If you're in that habit of bulldozing your anxiety or just not paying attention to it or not realizing why you're just reaching for a cigarette or something, um, it's a very powerful thing to be like, wait a minute, I'm feeling anxiety. Why? What happened that caused me to feel anxiety? What change do I need to make to my circumstance or the way that I'm thinking that makes it so I don't feel this way anymore? And that's the key to the life empowerment that brings about a better life, which is ultimately my main interest, right? I mean, why, why would we do, be doing all this stuff if it wasn't for creating a better life? Absolutely. That's <laughs> the only reason to do the best you can for your life and your family's life. And it's uh, something that's been dawning on me the last like decade now. So, uh, you know, I, I've always wanted to try this, this meditation. And uh, is it the only way uh, to clear your mind that you recommend? No, I mean, there's a there's a whole bunch of different ways. This is sort of the struggle that I run into in my line of work is because there are so many tools. There are so many processes and ways you can approach it. And I, I mean, it's it's basically down to what a person really feels called to. Of course, I have my preferences, but I mean, a person could be doing yoga it will do that. A person could be doing guided meditations instead of somatic meditations. A person could be doing shadow work processes like parts work. And, and it will very much so accomplish the same aim. And we talked about some like plant-based remedies. Uh, you talked about that earlier. Uh, what, which was like ayahuasca or like which, which kind of stuff? We were just talking about that with some of my friends last weekend. Mm. And uh, we we're trying to explain it to other people and, they don't understand it. I'm <laughs> sure I won't understand it until I actually try it if I forego doing that. Um, can you have you ever tried ayahuasca at all? Mm -hmm. what, what was the uh, this sensation for you? For me, ayahuasca is quite complicated because the best way to understand how I came into this world is to think about a filter that has been blown. So most people, when they are able to come into the physical, it's almost like they're able to fully plug into this time-space reality. I was unable to do that. So in fact, what I'm dealing with is considered more of a disability than it is an ability, even though it gives me the capacity to see things that are beyond this dimension. So I am normally on a daily basis seeing things like people see things when they take ayahuasca. So when I do you know, something like that, when I take in a medicine like that, it's more like I'm interacting with the, the consciousness of the plant itself. And that's something that I need people to understand, and of course, and in a lot of conversations with scientists about because we have the tendency to get totally wrapped up in the 
chemical compounds and how they impact and affect the brain. And that's not what is interesting to those of us who understand plant medicines. What's interesting is that each one of these is a being, a living being, a teacher. So like you're relating to me as teal swan, right? But ayahuasca is like another teacher. It just doesn't happen to be human. And that, that teacher is a, a female teacher, but a female teacher that understands oneness and therefore can embody anything and everything. <laughs> yeah. This is pretty cool because like, if you look at ancient civilizations, they, they really indulged in like the, the plant remedies, yep. um, the Egyptians, um, the Mayans, the, you know, the Incas to build their structures. I mean, and they had all this crazy technology and I feel like now the, I know the mainstream media was really against all this stuff, but now they're kind of going with it, especially with like mushrooms and, and stuff like that helps out people who have like a, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia, this and that. Um, but it can also help people realize their true selves, like you you mentioned, and it can really awaken the brain and, and help them get over things and, and PTSD and whatever like that. So it's pretty cool. This is a calm, cool, collected conversation with Teal Swan. I never actually thought I'd be having this conversation, but I, I love it. I feel like I'm, I'm paying attention. And I, I feel like I'm on like a show called Ancient Aliens. I should be on that show too. Uh, <laughs> just because the, the look of shock on my face sometimes. I'm trying to process things that are being told to me. Uh, we talked about an information-loaded world. Um, everywhere we go, everywhere we see, on our phone, on the radio, on TV, we got stories being thrown at us. Things that you know may be true, may not be true, um, but it, it's really good for us to stay grounded and, and, and think for ourselves. Um, a lot of people do not think for themselves, and, and I feel that uh, because of that, it, it really it's bad for them, not for me, because I actually think for myself. But um, getting away from that busy world. I know Christmas is coming up. You you mentioned you have a son. Do you have any other children Just or just the one boy? Um, I just have the one son. He's 13 years old. Oh, wow. What do you guys do for Christmas? Well, Christmas, Christmas is like the busiest time of year for us because I am such a Christmas freak. Sweet. So starting from December 1st on, we are jam-packed with an entire month full of Christmas activities. Like we just did... Um, a, we, I took him to see Celtic Woman for the first time. They do like a Christmas special, which is always so amazing. We see the Nutcracker Ballet. We go snowshoeing with hot chocolate. We do sled dogs. We, I mean, it's it's pretty intense. Yeah, that's that's crazy. In my house, we always do Christmas Vacation, the National Lampoon's uh, movie on Christmas Eve, and I've been doing that for uh, well. 30 years um, and home alone, of course. And then uh, we always go check out this light display in my town. We, we donate the charity. You go to this park and they have all these lights. And um, I have a son as well. And I have two daughters. Uh, and it's pretty cool because it's a kind of a cool tradition that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a cool time of year to get away from things and try to stay away from things. Right. I mean, it's a good time to, to block things off. And that's why I asked you that because I know people want to know about you and people want to know what you're into. Right. So what are you asking for for Christmas this year? Me. Don't say world peace because I already answered that world peace earlier today. What am I asking for for Christmas? 
commitment. <laughs> All right. From who? Um, the people in my life. This has not been a good year for me. Okay. It's been a very bad year relative to people who I've had lifelong, I mean, nearly lifelong relationships with betraying me and a lot of people not being able to handle the pressure of what it means to be at this level of fame and success. So I, I appreciate and value commitment, I think more than anything else. That's a very good answer. Uh, there was a time in my life, the last two years that I had to break away from the norm and decide who I wanted to be with and who I wanted to be around. It was very hard because I had to let go of friends. I had to let go of, uh, you know, people I talked to all the time since my childhood, uh, just because like I, I wanted to move forward in my life. And this is a turning, a turning page for you. You're going to, it's going to you move forward. And yes, I'm lecturing Teal Swan. <laughs> this is your Christmas present from meet me for coffee and George. Um, <laughs> I guess say Christmas carols, but usually that gets me punched out. Mm. It takes a lot to punch me out, but <laughs> I also have to run. I, have to, I gotta wear my running shoes this year. Last year, I wore my boots, and the guy caught me. Um, yeah, we go knocking on doors, and then we we sing awful Christmas carols on purpose. And I love that. I love Christmas carols. It's awesome. You know, some of these songs are cool. Now my son's he's singing some of the songs and whatever. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm really into it this year. I even like kind of like the blow up. Uh, you know, the Santa Claus and the snowman or whatever. I've never had that as a kid, so I was like, okay. This year, let's just go all out, and we did it. It looks doesn't look too good, but it's in front of the house. <laughs> we're, we're doing it. Eventually, it'll be nicer. I, I want to have a Griswold family Christmas one day, maybe with Uncle Eddie, if he's still around. Um, I really appreciate you coming on my show. I'm sure everyone does, and I hope to see you soon. Um, in Canada, wherever we connect once more, we'll have to do it in person. Yes, I know. Uh, over coffee or tea, um, and we will expand the mind and have some deep conversations and great conversations over coffee. Thank you so much, Teal. I really appreciate you. I wish you all the best and keep moving forward and many other people appreciate you and uh, they love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>